You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Embrace, part two of three. Enjoy. Let's get into the Word. God is so good. He has great things for you. He wants you to know His heart. He wants you to know His will for your life. And we're going to jump right into it. We started last Sunday at Highway Church a new three-part series called Embrace. Okay, embrace. And it's taken from Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 in the message translation. Jesus says, embrace this God life. Embrace this God life. Let's pray. Father, we come here this morning and we wrap our arms around you. We embrace who you are. And we ask you, Lord God, to do something great in our hearts today. Lord, that we would see you as you are, not as man's tradition has painted you to be, but as you are. That we, that we would know you in a very real way. That we would walk with you this week in the unforced rhythms of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus, in, in Mark chapter 11, we read uh, most of the chapter last week. We're not going to do that again. But we find that Jesus picked, handpicked these 12 men to mentor them, to be his disciples. And they walked with Jesus. They traveled with him. They lived with him. They watched Jesus uh, respond to real-life situations. They watched this man, Jesus, speak to the wind, and the wind would stop. They watched him speak to storms, and storms would stop. They watched him heal the sick and raise the dead. They watched him speak to situations and circumstances, and those situations and circumstances would change. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 22, in the midst of these 12 men, in the midst of their amazement at this man Jesus, he says something very powerful. He says to them, embrace this God life. In other words, the life that you've watched me live, you were designed to live. Embrace this God life. Jesus, we find as we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, was not a religious icon to be put on a shelf, but he was a living, breathing Savior. He was the Messiah. And in some instances, he was our substitute. He was the substitute for our sin. He was the Lamb of God. But in other instances, he was our example. And in the way that he dealt with life situations, he was our example. And so we find that Jesus modeled this God life for us. That we would, in our daily lives, speak to our situations and circumstances and see them change. Embrace this God life. So at Highway Church, we're imitators of Jesus. We look to Jesus as our example. And again, we're not talking about wearing robe and sandals. We're not talking about external. We're talking about internal, his heart, what he believed. The attitude of his heart towards God and man. We're imitators of that here at Highway Church. If Jesus said it, we say it. If he believed it, we believe it. If he did it, we do it. 
And that's what Jesus himself said in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. He said, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. So we've been talking about embracing this God life or embracing God as Father. And we found that when we read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, when we look at this man, Jesus, we find that there were two reasons, two things that he did in his private life that gave him the strength that inspired him and moved him to live this God life. We talked about him last week. The first thing we said that Jesus did is that he continually cultivated the consciousness that God, the creator of heaven and earth, was his personal Abba Father. The second thing that he did is that Jesus continually cultivated the consciousness that his Abba Father put him on earth to accomplish a mission, that he had a divine purpose from God, and that mission was to reveal God as Abba Father, okay? So we find that through faith, last week, this is a little bit of a, this is a recap, a review of last week, that through faith in the Word of God, God becomes just as much our Abba Father as He is Jesus' Abba Father. That's what the Scriptures teach us. That, that through faith in Jesus Christ and what He's done, God looks at us and sees us as His very own sons and daughters. Romans chapter 8, verse 15, speaking of those who believed on Jesus, says that we have not received the spirit of slavery, right, leading to fear again, but we've received a spirit of adoption, by which we cry, Abba, Father. Love that phrase, Abba, Father. Very powerful. Abba is a very simple word that comes from the mouth of little ones. It'd be like daddy or dada in our culture. And Abba demonstrates the unreasoning trust and love of a little one of a little child. A little one doesn't understand why that man is their daddy, doesn't know the anatomy and the biology. They don't need to know. All they need to know is that's my daddy, right? And then father is a term that demonstrates an intelligent comprehension of this relationship, right? A mature one, one who understands why that's my father, that we've been born of the incorruptible word of God. So Abba, Father, describes our relationship with God. We come to him as an unreasoning child, right? As a, with an with a unreasoning trust and love of a little one. But we also come to him through the meditating on the word and learning the scriptures. We come to him as a mature one with an intelligent comprehension and confidence in who he is, knowing we're born of him. All right. So let's move forward here. We saw in John chapter 3 that a master of Israel, as Jesus called him, Nicodemus, came to Jesus and he wanted to, to know what was up with Jesus. How did he do the things that he did? And Jesus told this man, Nicodemus, basically, in order to experience God, to know God, you must be born of God. 
born again. And he said two things. You have to be born of the word of God and the spirit of God, which makes sense because that's how Jesus was born. Now, Jesus, the son of God, has always been, but he, he laid down his glory as, as the son of God. And the Bible says he came to earth as a man and was born a little baby. Well, what happened, if we read in Luke 2, for time's sake we won't, excuse Luke chapter 1, God sent his word via Gabriel, the archangel, to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to bear a son and you're called his name Jesus and he shall be the son of God. Mary was a virgin and did not understand how this could be possible and he explained to her that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon her. So God sent his word to Mary, and the Holy Spirit, she received it. She said, be it done to me according to your word. So she received the word of God, and as she received the word of God, the Holy Spirit brought that same word to life in her. That's the same way that we're born again. Somewhere in our lives, we heard the word of God concerning Christ, that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, that we could be washed clean of all of our sins, that we could be forgiven and become his very own child. We receive that word in our hearts. And when you receive the good news of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you and brings that to life in you. And your spirit is made new, is born again, born of him. So we believe the word and the spirit of God brings it to life in us in 1 Peter 1, 23. Let's put that one up there. 1 Peter 1, 23. This is the amplified translation. It says you, speaking of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ, you have been regenerated, born again. Look at this. Not from a mortal origin not from a mortal seed or sperm. This is supernatural, isn't it? Right? <clears throat> but from one that is immortal, some translations say incorruptible, by the ever-living and lasting Word of God. In John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, it says, as many as received him, who's him? Jesus, right? As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, I like this, which were born not of blood. That speaks of natural things. It's not a natural thing. Nor of the will of the flesh. It's not a fleshly thing. It's a spirit thing, right? nor of the will of man. It's not a man thing. It's a God thing, right? So we're not born of blood. This is not a natural. It's a supernatural. We're not born of the flesh. It's not a flesh thing. It's a spirit thing. We're not born of man. It's, it's a God thing. We're born of God. Things begin to change in your life when you realize that now God has become your father. This is frightening to the religious mindset. This is kind of borderline heresy here, okay? But this is the simple gospel. This is the simple gospel that through faith in Jesus Christ, God becomes our Father. All right. So because God is our Father, the one who nourishes us, 
the one who protects us, the one who upholds us, because we originate from his family and are given life by his spirit, we experience his nature. First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 3. It says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. What did he grant to us? Everything. Sure, he's God. He's not little and stingy, right? He's gracious and grand. Everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and... So his own glory he called us by, his own excellence, right? Now look at verse 4. For by these, by what? By his own glory and excellence, right? He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Why did he do that? It tells us, right? In order that by them you, you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. That's why God gave us his promises, so that we could experience him. And man's religion has kind of made us afraid of coming to God. And just kind of, we can maybe come to him and ask him for something really small, but even then, we better be careful. But that's not at all the heart of the Father. That's not at all the gospel. He gave us his promises, and there are at least hundreds, if not thousands of them, in the scriptures, that we would embrace them just as Mary embraced the word of God and that the spirit of God would bring them to life in our lives. Every promise of God is a window into the heart of God. The promises of God are window, is a window into the plan and will and purpose of God for our lives. So at Highway Church, we major in the promises of God. There's no other way to experience his nature. You can have a supernatural experience in your life by his grace, but to regularly know him, to grow in him, to experience him in the little details of your life, it's through his promises. Okay? When we meditate on the promises of God, it's like a booster shot of Jesus. The life of God begins to flow in us as we eat the Word of God, as we receive it and meditate upon it. So let's move into part two now, okay? Part two of embrace. When we look at Jesus, again, in the Scriptures, we, we, know, we believe at Highway Church that the Bible is the Word of God. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd, Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd, Peter, 1st, 2nd, Third John, Jude, Revelation, that's the New Testament. And the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judge, Ruth, 1st, 2nd, 7th, 1st, 2nd, Kings, 1st, 2nd, Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Psalms, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Leviticus, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Oliver, Sobadiah, Joel, Micah, Nehemiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Right? That's what we believe. That's my rap skills for you. Yeah. Uh, so we believe that these 66, let's see, we got 39 and 27. What's that? 66? These 66 books. <laughs> We believe they're inspired by God. We don't add anything to them. We don't take anything away from them. We just let God be God. Okay, this book was written long before we ever existed. This is the heart of God. So we embrace 
this word. And we find that Jesus did what he did with the same resources that you and I have, the word of God and the spirit of God. We find in the life of Jesus, and we're going to look at it in a second here, we find that Jesus found his life purpose by studying the word of God. Luke chapter 2, if you want to turn there. Luke chapter 2. Jesus found his life purpose in the Word of God. Now, obviously, the Son of God has always been, but the Bible teaches when Jesus came to earth as a baby, he had to learn and grow and increase in wisdom and stature among men, and he did that through the Scriptures. Well, Luke chapter 2 is a wonderful passage because it gives us insight into the boyhood of Jesus. And in Luke chapter 2, verses 42 through 50, we see that Jesus' earthly mother and father, Joseph and Mary, that in verse 42, it says that they went up to Jerusalem, pay attention to this phrase, after the custom of the feast. That was their goal. His earthly mother and father had a goal. Every year they did this. There was their custom to go to Jerusalem for the feast, okay? Now, they went and they fulfilled their custom. They did their tradition and they left. But they left without their son Jesus, okay? He's 12 years old. It was a day later they realized he was not in the company that they came with. Now, I imagine they traveled with a large group of family and relatives. But they lost their son. They went up to Jerusalem for their custom and tradition and lost their son. Jesus, on the other hand, it took them how many days to find him? Anyone know? Three days, yeah. Three days to find him. And, where were, and the last place they looked was where? Church, right? Yeah, in God's house. And they finally went to God's house to look for their son. And that mama was upset, wasn't she? She's ready to give him a whooping, right? But Jesus was confused. And I like what he said to her. In verse 49, he said to them, this is his earthly mother and father, he said to mom and dad, why did you seek me? Haven't you watched me live? Don't you know what me, your own son, he's 12 years old right now, don't you know what I'm all about? Did you not know that I must be about my father? That's how the Greek reads. Or it says, I must be in and about my father. 12 years old. How did he cultivate that? Through the scriptures. It tells us in Luke that he was in the temple, listening to the preachers, listening to them teach, asking them questions. That's where he wanted to be. So we see that, that he went to Jerusalem for a different, different purpose. His mom and dad went up for the custom of the feast. He went up to know God as Father. Many people come to church for different reasons. Do you come for custom or tradition's sake, or do you come to know your Father? So at Highway Church, we don't have any customs or traditions. We're all about knowing God as Father, a real-life, everyday relationship with Him as Father. We're not, we're not putting anyone down. We just want to be all about him. We want to be in and about him. So Jesus 
had a divine purpose. He knew that as a, as, a, as a young boy. He said, my life, mom and dad, my life revolves around my father, my heavenly father. And he looked at his parents as if to say, wouldn't it be strange for my life to revolve around anyone else? Wouldn't that be strange? And it'd be strange for us too. Our lives, because Jesus is our model, is to revolve around the Father, our Heavenly Father. We are to be in and about Him. Did you know that's the solution to the heavenly medicated society that we live in? Do you realize how many people are on prescription medication and drugs just to try and cope with life? Depression is run rampant. Anxiety attacks, fear, panic. Why is that? Distance from the Father. Not building our lives on love for Him. Not making Him the motivation for the lives that we live. We must be about Him. So our life purpose is unveiled in the Word of God. Our life purpose is found in knowing God as Abba Father. So we're not about the American dream. Why? Because our Father's dream is greater than the American dream could ever be. Right? What He has for your life is, is greater. So we're about knowing the Father. And, and one of the things that I... I've watched over the years, and I've walked with the Lord about 25, a little over 25 years, and I've seen so many parents wear themselves out trying to get their children involved with so many different kind of activities, hoping that these activities will help their child. It's not activities that children need. It's purpose. It's not activities that young people need, that teenagers need. It's knowing their life purpose and growing in that. They're never too young for that. Jesus at age 12 was growing in that, right? Middle school, right? And so what I did before, I, as a young man, I was 19, 20, reading the scriptures, I realized that I didn't have to run around chasing after dreams, Chasing after a, a field that would provide me with a good income. Trying to, to get something man said I needed, uh, a, a degree or a certificate or accolades. I realized that if I would just spend time alone with the Father, if I would just make Him my everything, make Him the motivation for every decision in my life, everything else would fall into place. And lo and behold, it's so. That if my father, if spending time with him, if he's the reason for the job that I have, watch out, it's going to be good. If he's the reason for my extracurricular activities, if he's, the, if he's the reason for the church that I go to. See, it's very important that you go to a church that teaches you about God as your father. I didn't learn that in the church I grew up in. God was a very distant, cold, afraid to approach kind of God. So I like to, and still to this day, I like to get up before my family's up and get alone in my closet, get out my Bible, and just, just meditate and worship God. Worship God, pick a few promises of God's Word, and just let those things grow in me. And I spend that time, and it's quiet. The day hasn't begun yet. And the Holy Spirit, just like He did with Mary, He, he quickens us. 
He strengthens us. He gives us wisdom and guidance for each day. And I found before I knew what a father was, he was teaching me how to be a father. He was teaching me how to be a husband before I knew what a husband was. And when it came time for my wife and I to become husband and wife back in December of 94, so we're in our 20th year, God was, had taught us so much already just by spending time with him. And you will save yourselves tons of time, tons of, of, of strength, tons of worry, tons of money by spending time with God. And knowing him as your Abba Father. You, don't have, you won't have to go to guidance counselors anymore. You won't have to, to find someone who can prescribe something for you so you can sleep at night. You will have a peace that cannot be taken away. That is irremovable. Because it comes from his love for you. Right? So just like Jesus, we're about the Father and we're on a mission. Who we are is found as we embrace his word, as we embrace his promises. Not only did Jesus find his life purpose in the word of God, but listen, he found the strength and the wisdom to fulfill it in the word of God. Everything you need is in here. Isn't everything built on words? Do you know you couldn't work for the employer you work for if they didn't have, have words as a foundation for their corporation or business? Every business is built on words. Every relationship is built on words. You can't have a marriage if you don't have words, right? If you don't have a marriage certificate. Everything's built on words. Our life is built on words. When you build your life on his words, everything begins to change. Okay, so Jesus not only found his life purpose in the word of God, he found the wisdom and strength to fulfill it in the word of God. Let's look at, at uh, Matthew chapter 3. I like this. Matthew chapter 3. In verse 16, now this is, the, as Matthew records it, this is the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry. He was just baptized by John. And Jesus comes up out of the water, freshly baptized by John the Baptist, and it says the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus, okay? And then in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 3, something very significant happens. It says, a voice from heaven speaks and says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. I sometimes imagine what, what it would have been like to have been there, to watch this man, Jesus, be baptized by the famous John the Baptist, and to see him rise up out of the water, the Spirit of God descend upon him, and the heavens open, and God speaks. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Remember what God said about his son, because we're going to find out something that right after that, the Holy Spirit leads the beloved son of God into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And I want you to notice in every temptation, the first thing that Satan attacks is the father relationship that Jesus had with God. Let's, let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at just verse 3 for time's sake. We want to make sure we get all of this in. Satan comes to Jesus, okay? Verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, first words out of his mouth, if you are the 
What did God say to him? Just last thing God said to him, you're my beloved son, right? I'm well pleased in you. What's the first thing Satan says? If you're the son of God, what's he doing? Attacking the father relationship. That's his number one target in all of our lives. He doesn't want you to know God as father. He doesn't mind if you come to church. Doesn't mind if you have your customs and traditions. But he doesn't want you to have that kind of intimacy with God. So he attacks that father relationship. And he attacks who Jesus is. He says, if you are. And guess what? He comes the same way in our lives. He questions who you are. He questions God's love for you. He questions God's fathership in your life. He does the same thing. His, his tricks haven't changed. So when he comes to you and says, yeah, right, you're a Christian. Yeah, right, God loves you. Look at the mistakes you've made in your life. You haven't done this. You haven't done that. Oh, and remember you did that. How can you call yourself a Christian? And what, if we end up listening to that, what does that do? It undermines our confidence in God. It causes us to question and waver God's love for us. And though God's love hasn't changed, we start to move away from him. See, Satan's tricky, isn't he? So he comes right against, if you are the son of God. And then he says, if you're the son of God, then do. Second temptation, he says it again. If you're the son of God, then do. Right? Command these stones. Throw yourself down. If he can't get you to question, and, and if he can't get you to move away from God as your father, the second thing he will do is lead you into a religious relationship with him. That, that is this. If, then do. If, then do. That's religion. If you love God, then do this. If you love God, do this. If you love God, then do this. That's not the heart of our father. That's man's religion. That's the enemy's territory. See, we don't have an if-then-do relationship with God. We have a God is, God did, so we are relationship with God. That's how we know him. God is, before we ever did, he is, right? God is, he did. He did this. He loved us first, right? So we are his sons and daughters. See? That's why I love that God is the I am that I am, not the I do that I do right? He's, Christianity is not about doing. It's about being. It's about being. So the enemy will lead you into condemnation about yourself, right? Yeah, you, you, you've done this, you've done that, just turn that off and come to God as your father. Come to God as your father. Now, it's important to note Jesus's response. Now, in the third temptation, Satan comes to him a little different, but he's still attacking his relationship with God as Father because our Father is meant to be our provider, right? So Satan comes to him and he shows him the, the, the kingdoms of the world and says, I will give these to you. In other words, I will be your provider if you give your affections to me. It tempts us that way as well, right? To look other places for our provision. But Jesus responds as we are to respond. Remember, he found the strength to, to fulfill his life purpose in the word of God. The strength to overcome Satan is not in your thoughts. It's not in Wheaties or vitamins. It's in the word of God. So Jesus, every single time, said these three words. It is written. That takes all the pressure off of me. I don't have to defeat Satan. Because it is written. He's got to deal with God, not me. Right? It is written. In other words, who I am, what I do, 
how I live my life, the provision I receive is from God, not from me. I'm not the source, right? I'm not relying on myself. I'm not relying on man. Who I am, what I do, how I live, the provision of my life is based on one thing. It is written, the Word of God. So where is Satan tempting you? He tempts all of us. Well, what are some of the signs that he's tempting you? Discouragement's one of them. Fear. Uncertainty. Worry, anxiety, these are all signs that we're being tempted to distance ourselves from God's love. So give you an example. Here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a husband and a father and a family of six. And, and our family, just like any other family, we're living on planet Earth. We have needs, right? Things, things change. Uh, we're starting a new church. And a fear can come in. How are you going to pay for that? You know what's going to happen if you do that? Do you know how expensive that is? Do you know how many people you're going to need, how many resources you need? You've got to feed your children. You've got to provide. They need clothes. They need all of these things. Who's that talking? Is that my father? Now, God can direct us and say, I don't want, that. I don't want you to do that for your life. That's not my calling, not my purpose for you. But if God's directing us in a direction, as he directed us to start this church, I want to tell you there's a lot to starting a church. It's like starting a business. It's a nonprofit corporation. And there are a lot of needs. There are, there, and there are a lot of uh, wisdom needed. But you know what? God's got it all. <laughs> so every fear, I'm just talking about my life, and your situation's different. But when those fears come in, I go to the Word. And I say, it is written, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. It is written, those who seek the Lord shall lack no good thing. It is written, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. It is written, the lions grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. See? And all of a sudden, I tear those fears apart. And we overcome fear and anxiety and lack and worry the same way Jesus did. We just grab a hold of the Word of God, and we speak it in our lives. So as we, as we wrap this thing up, I just want you to think, oh, what areas has the enemy been tempting me in? Has it been trying to isolate me? Has it been trying to make me afraid or keep me from doing certain things? And now I, I have some homework for you. I want you to, 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 in your Bible, find some promises from God that you can grab a hold of to overcome the enemy. Guarantee you there's a bunch of them in there. Any situation or circumstance that you could fake, face in life, whether it be physical, spiritual, mental, emotional, financial, there's a promise in the Word of God for you. All you got to do is believe it. Got to find it, right? You got to know it's in there and then just believe it. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24, and we'll close. Jesus was matter of fact. Embrace this God life. Really 
embrace it, and nothing will be too much for you. This is the message translation. The mountain, this mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake, no shuffling or shilly-shallying, and it's as good as done. That's why I urge you to pray, and in this context, he's talking about speaking, he spoke to the fig tree, to speak to absolutely everything, ranging from small to large, include everything as you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. At Highway Church, we encourage you to embrace this God life. Through faith in Jesus Christ, God becomes your Abba Father, the one who nourishes, protects, and upholds you. Embrace His promises and receive His everything. In Jesus' name, amen.